Welcome to the Torah Journey Podcast. My name is Rabbi Ken Brodkin, and I've been a community rabbi for over 15 years. During that time, I've learned that the wisdom of Judaism is powerful, but it's not always easy to understand. Our weekly podcast will enrich your journey and give you practical advice about how to apply the wisdom of Judaism to your life. We'll offer you insights based on the Parsha, current events, the Jewish year, and more. This is the Torah Journey Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a momentous week, and I think whatever your perspective on politics or world events, it's clear that we're, we're living in a divided country and that our world is in need of healing. The election really underscores, I believe, how divided our republic is. I want to share my tefillah for a peaceful and seamless transition of leadership. As Jews, whoever is in power, whether it's Democrats or Republicans, we always have to do our best to advocate for the Jewish people. Many folks have suggested that this was the most important race of our lifetimes, and that may or may not be true. It's possible that this is just one race and a series of races in a very divided America. We don't know, and whatever your perspective, we can all appreciate that we live in an imperfect world where injustices are a regular occurrence. The question is, how do we approach this as Jews of the Torah, especially in such a contentious time? You might think that as religious Jews, we ought to be okay with everything that happens. This too is from Hashem, we ought to say. Don't worry, when Mashiach comes, we'll figure it all out. And that's a nice perspective. It's the relaxed mindset of the believer. But from our Parsha, a very surprising thing occurs because Avram, of course, is very much a believer in God. He sees bad things that could be called injustice happening. And these things are directly attributed to Hashem. So what does Avram do? Does he throw up his hands and say, Gamzulatova, this is also for the good? Well, no, he's actually bothered, and so much so that he confronts God. Let's take a look at the bigger picture of Avram's life. The journey of Avram is remarkable. First, the Torah teaches us that there is a transcendental creator, and then we find that the creator reaches out to man and specifically to Avram Avinu. Avram grows in his relationship with God, who calls out to him, Lech Lecha. Avram forms two brito, two covenants with Hashem. And now, immediately after the bris of circumcision, God says, I'm about to destroy Sodom. Can I conceal it from Avraham? And Avram learns of the plan, and he actually confronts God, arguing, so to speak, over the matter. The Torah says, Vayigash Avraham. Avram approached Hashem. Vayomar, and he said, Ha'aft hispe tzadikim rasha. Will you also wipe out the righteous together with the wicked? So Avram challenges God, suggesting that the plan of destruction is not in keeping with God's attribute of justice. What if there's tzaddikim here getting killed along with the wicked? Far be it from you, Shofet Kola Arts, judge of all the land. Avram's so extreme in his response that he says, It's sort of like saying, God forbid, God, that you should do this. And critically, he's not coming as an atheist or as an opponent, but really as a steadfast believer and a defender of the faith. And so the believer in the Almighty Creator is challenging the Almighty Creator. How unique is that? It's such a spectacular position to be in. Avram Avinu arguing on behalf of the wicked. Now, much of the Parsha seems to illustrate the contrast between Avraham and Sodom. Avram is the Ish Chesed. He worships Hashem. He commands his children in the way of God. He's willing to sacrifice himself for others, like in the war with the kings. 
Sodom, on the other hand, is the city of greed. It attacks the guests when they come to the house of Lot. As the prophet Yechezkel writes, The city of Sodom were not willing to strengthen the hands of the poor. And that verse, by the way, it really connects with Rashi's interpretation of our Parsha, who understands that the people of Sodom did not want to share of their wealth. They did not want any passers-by to somehow enjoy or take away from the wealth of their city. And they converged in the house of Lot because they feared that Lot was sharing the wealth of their, of their lush area. And so these are the people that Avram fought for? Well, hold on a second. Is Avram really arguing on behalf of the wicked? In a sense, no. Avram's argument really is predicated on the possibility that there's just some cohort, there's some group of righteous people in the city. Now, what's the nature of this argument? And more, what does it really mean to argue with God? I mean, what can such a a posture of, of challenging the Almighty mean for our lives? Now, there's a critical point here, and we have to, I think, keep this in mind throughout the conversation, and that is that God invites the challenge. Prior to the time when the Malachim, the angels, descend to Sodom, God says, I've got to tell Avram. Can I Can I conceal from Avram what I'm about to do? And, and Hashem explains, for Avram will surely be a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the world will be blessed through him. For I know him. I know him, that he commands his children and the people of his household after him, that they guard the way of Hashem to do tzedakah and mishpat, to do righteousness and tzedakah. Avraham was a man of righteousness and justice. The very fact, it's, it's ironic, I mean, the fact that his path diverges from the path of Sodom as a righteous person who seeks justice, demands that he be given a chance to speak on behalf of those very people. But this picture is still troubling. I mean, the implication of these verses is that God somehow needed Avram to know so that Avram could make the case for Sodom. And why is that? I mean, God is all-knowing, as, as Avram's encounter with him clearly testifies. The basis of Avram's argument is that Hashem should not do injustice. And it seems that Avram is okay with the destruction of Sodom, provided that there is the, the, the entire community is, is wicked. But, Avram says, perhaps there's an intermixture of Sadiqim. If so, if there's this subset of righteous people, well, that changes the whole equation. Somehow the whole place will be uplifted from this decree. decree. Perhaps there's a unique group of, of righteous people. Maybe there's 50 people. Do I hear 45? Someone will, will give me 20, 10. And here we arrive at the end of his argument. Perhaps there are 10 righteous people living in this place. Now, of course, we know in Judaism that the number 10 is important. This is the number that forms a minion, a cohesive group who are more than just individuals in the city. If there's merely a handful of righteous individuals, there's nothing to talk about. But if there's a subculture, a community of righteous people, well, that changes everything. And again, why 10 and not 9? Well, the simple answer is that 10 is where you have a minion, a cohesive community of people versus 9, which is just a group of individuals. That's the counterculture, that minion that is needed to overcome Sodom. 
and it would seem that God agrees with the argument. I will not destroy for the 40, as God says. But again, God knew all along that this city was entirely sinners and that it lacked a counterculture of righteous folks. God knew that the place was not redeemable. And what's more, the Torah itself teaches us that Hashem is the perfect judge. Hatsur tamim poelo, the rock perfect is his work. Kichol drachav mishpat el amuna v'ein avol tzadik v'yasharhu. Hashem is perfect, all his paths are justice, a faithful God without iniquity, righteous and upright is he. So, why does the perfect judge need to invite Avraham to make the case for Sodom? We actually find that Avraham was not the only person in Tanakh to challenge God. In Bamidbar, we find that Moshe made a similar challenge, asking at the time of Korach's sin, How is it that one man can sin and the entire assembly be punished? And later, Yermiao asks, How can it be that the ways of the wicked prosper? Lama derech rishayim salecha. Yermiao was a person who was well-equipped to ask the question. He was a great prophet, beset in his life with continual tragedy. And many other believers, from Chabab Kuk to Kohelet, perceived a lack of justice in the world. And they openly articulated that in Tanakh. And yet... Even as there's injustice, God continually calls upon man. He's asking us to be his partner, bring justice and goodness in the world. God called to Noah to save a remnant of humanity. And God called to Avram to fight for Sodom and to pray for them. And he called to Yermiah to seek out the goodness for the Jewish people, even when we faltered. And on some level, it seems that God wants us to be bothered by the injustice in the world. And he wants us to engage with that, seeking justice both in our actions and in our prayers, as did Avraham. And so we engage with Hashem and we, we seek mercy in the world. And by the way, Moshe, in fact, succeeded in rolling back God's attribute of strict justice during the time of the Cheta Egel. And so we come into our world. The, the world is not whole. We come into God's world. We see the beauty. We confront the problems. I mean, just look at the Haftarah. We find here a destitute woman. Her husband has died. She's in debt. Her creditors are about to take her sons as slaves. I mean, have you ever heard of such a thing, taking the slaves of an impoverished woman because she's in debt? Well, how about helping her to feed her sons? I mean, and that's exactly what the prophet Elisha does. He's bothered by the matter. He prays for the woman. He he helps her to overcome this injustice. And God wants us to engage the world, to seek justice, even for those who are different than us, and to be bothered when we feel that something is wrong. And I think that's really what God is calling on Abraham to do. He's calling upon him to feel bothered and to, and to be okay with the fact that he is bothered and upset. It's interesting. The other day, my wife was driving with my 11-year-old daughter, Eliza, and uh, they saw a woman with two small children, like a baby and a four-year-old, standing on the side of the road. The woman had a sign. She was begging for help. And my, my daughter wanted my wife to turn around the car to give her something. And my wife said, no, we can't, we, we can't do it. But they went home, and as soon as they got home, my, my daughter promptly made a basket with granola bar, bars and water and a stuffed animal and $10. And she took the basket and she put it in the car for the next time that she would see this family. And my, daughter, my wife was saying to my daughter, you know, you, you saw this and you're, you're bothered. You're bothered by the, by the injustice. And, and we're supposed to be bothered. That's really part of what Hashem is calling to Avram for. As we know, even the word tzedakah, charity, 
really translates as justice, because tzedakah charity is justice, that we should help those who are less, infor- less fortunate. And that's, of course, an idea that was lost on the people of Sodom, and it's, it's lost on many people today. But as we seek justice, as we approach Hashem, there's just an, a, another critical ingredient, and that's humility. Avram stands before God with a full recognition that only God is all-knowing. Only Hashem is the true judge. Avram only speaks after asking permission and declaring, I'm but just dust and ashes. Dust and ashes am I standing before you. That's the humility, that's the mark of, of a Jewish leader. From the days of Moshe, who questioned and said there should be a different man to go in my place, to David, who swore that all of his abilities and all everything he did from smiting Goliath came from God. And so, God called upon Avram to engage in the problems of the world. But to what end? I mean, Hashem knew where it's going. Did Avram succeed? And I believe that Avram did succeed because Vayigash Avram, he engaged with his creator. He sought to find if there was room for mercy and there wasn't. And he, he sought it out. And that itself is a victory. Our victory is not that we need to be the ultimate judge, but that we engage with Hashem, that we seek God's goodness in the world. If we don't do that, we're callous. If we do that, we're God's partners. And many of us seek justice in different ways, through our jobs, through our words. But here's a critical thing. Think back to Avraham's view of Sodom. Is there a counterculture of people, he asked, who are tzaddikim, who give merit to everyone else? Is there a subset of people who are united in their service of Hashem? We live in a world in which there's so much division. And the Jewish community is just the perfect venue to be that counterculture. We've got differing views within our community. And if we feel that there's division in the world, what greater thing can we do to bring about justice than having a Jewish community that is a force of unification in the greater world? And more, when we see problems in the world, deep problems, it's okay to be bothered. It's good to be bothered. Take those moments of being bothered as Avraham did. Vayigash Avraham, he came closer to God to find truth and mercy. And the more that we do come together as that counterculture of servants of Hashem, the more that we together will be able to approach God, the true judge, seeking and finding God's goodness and his truth in the world.